0: Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Someone said when God wants to do something big, he sets his people a-praying. Someone else said Satan trembles when he sees the weakest Christian on their knees because Satan knows the power of prayer. When God wants to show mercy, he looks for someone to intercede for mercy. And I sought for among them for a man that would stand in the gap and make up the hedge, and I found none. But if he had found one, if he had found one, that judgment could have been delayed, and a space for repentance would have been granted by God. But he didn't find that one that knew the power of prayer. It took a while for man to learn that God is a prayer answering God. And they learned to call upon Him. Early in the New Testament, it said, and men began to call upon the Lord. They made a discovery that if you call upon God, and He's the true and the living God, that He's a prayer answering God. And when men discovered that, men began to call upon the Lord. Amen. Amen. And then God began to challenge us to call upon Him. And call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you and thou shalt glorify me. Call upon me and I will show you great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Hallelujah. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened for everyone That ask, receive. Now remember, you've got to balance this with other scripture. Whatever you ask in prayer, believing. It's not just asking. It's asking in faith when we pray. You've got to balance it. If we ask anything, more balance to it. If we ask anything according to his will. He heareth us. And if we know that He hears us, and how do you know that He hears us? Because we ask according to His will. And how are you going to discover His will? It begins with the Word. The Word of God initially is the will of God. And if it's not covered by the Word of God, then He asks you to trust Him without understanding, which is the will of God. But one thing's for sure, without faith, it's impossible. You can wear your hair so long they call you Samson. Amen. You can wear your sleeves buttoned to the wrist. Amen. You can fast until they can stick you through a keyhole. But if you don't believe, you can't please God. Amen. Without faith, it is impossible. You can live such a holy life, you won't even eat devil's food cake. Only angel food. Amen. Amen. You know what we were taught? We, we, The greatest thing the preacher could do, I came up through Pentecostalism. I know what it's all about. We didn't, we, we didn't tr- get truly holy. We just got holier than other people. But never holy enough to merit. Come on, didn't we? We got self-righteous. We didn't just get righteous. We got self-righteous. We didn't think nobody's going to heaven but us. And we were going because we were so holy, Amen. and holy had to do with your hair. Uh-oh. It had to do with your because I went to preach, and I, 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 you know, I thought we were well. We were the Holy Church of God. I went to a pastors' meeting. There was about sixty pastors, and they introduced me. Uh, the reason they let me say something to them is because I had survived for over four decades. And there were some younger ministers out there just been in it for 20, 25 years and looking real weathered. Amen. And they said, take a look at him. He's been in it for over 40 years. And so when I came up, uh, they said, uh, they introduced me. They had a big screen, you know, with a projector. And they had my name and the name of the church, but they got the name of the church wrong. They had my name, Pastor Robert A. Venable, Pastor of the Most Holy church of God and I looked up at that and I said I've got to make a statement here I've got to got to make a disclaimer we're not the most holy church of God we're just the holy church of God we're striving to be the most holy (laughs) if he could get us in the altar on Sunday that's why our faith didn't grow Because we never felt like we quite made the grade. We were never qualified and confident. It was hard to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For many of us. Because if there is any problem with you receiving the gift. The problem was there must be a sin in your life that you have not confessed. And he won't dwell in an unclean vessel and you must be still need some cleansing. Because if you didn't need some cleansing, girl, he would be in there like that. Amen? And those of us that had the Holy Ghost, of course, we we were the cleanest ones in the room. And I was in church long enough to discover that a whole lot of tongue-talking people wasn't all that clean in their heart. Amen? So we got off on the wrong foot. Can we all agree that we all, I'm talking about me included, we got off on the wrong foot. And we never felt quite qualified. We were so afraid of grace because of the abuse of grace. And it's been abused. God can't see through the blood and all of that nonsense. No, God chooses not to see. But He knows. He's forgiven you on the basis of not your sinlessly perfect life, but on the sinless blood of His Son in your behalf. But He sees our sin. And He knows when we confess it. And if we confess and forsake it, we can be forgiven and restored. But we were so afraid of grace. We didn't hear much about it. But we sung about amazing grace. And we never knew how amazing it really, really is. Amen. But it's amazing. I'm here today because of amazing grace. I'm not here today because I am Superman. I'm here today because of God's wonderful Amen. grace. The Apostle Paul, who I would put in almost the super Christian category with all of his experiences and all of his gifts and all of his anointings he said by the grace of god i am whatever i am and you take that grace from me and by the way he discovered the sufficiency of grace and that's why it was such a blessing to him but to build our faith to build our faith to give us confidence that god would listen to our prayer one of the great things that stood out to me, and a man conducting a, 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 a revival crusade, he was a nationally known evangelist, and he was conducting a revival crusade in India. And he had all of these people coming for prayer because his, his ministry, his word ministry, was confirmed by healing primarily. He had a great gift of healing and miracles. So people lined up for him to lay hands on them. That's the normal response to someone with a healing gift. And he had a a family singing team. I remember when we went to uh, Haiti, we had a, a family, two sisters and their mother. And it was similar to this family because it was the same combination of singers. Mom and two daughters that sang together. For the singing, for the music part of it. And the the 16-year-old daughter, the youngest of the bunch, 16 years old, you can't get a whole lot of word in you. You come up through Sunday school. You go. You're excited to go to a foreign country and open up and sing the songs of Zion. And she's standing up on the platform, and they have sung an invitation song, and people are coming to have hands laid on them, and they're all lined up over here, and there's a young woman bringing her blind mother, trying to get to that platform, working their way through the crowd. She's leading her mother, and her, and they make their way through the crowd. And, and here's this 16-year-old girl over there, and she's wide-eyed because they're coming straight toward her, because there's just too many people pressing. Remember when, how it was with Jesus when he was healing people? You couldn't get close to him. You had to push your way in or tear the roof off and let somebody down in his presence. And they were coming straight for her. And she's becoming uncomfortable because they're, she's not trying to even get her mama over there where God's man of faith and power is with the gift. She's just coming to this 16-year-old girl that came there to sing, not to preach, not to lay hands on anybody, claiming no particular gift of the Spirit, a man just filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. By the way, all the gifts of the Spirit are resident in the Holy Spirit. So the potential yeah. Yeah. in Him is in everyone who has the Holy Spirit. Do you realize that? Amen. You shall receive dunamis is the Greek word. Power. And and we, of course, dunamis rhymes with dynamo. And dynamo rhymes with dynamite. Everybody say dynamite. Amen. (laughs) And so we thought we were little sticks of dynamite when we started talking in tongues. I'm going to tell you something. Don't ever compare dynamite to the power of God through the Holy Spirit. It is a terrible, terrible misunderstanding of power dynamite the big bang wasn't dynamite <laughs> something like dynamite amen i believe in the big bang by the way i don't think it's just a theory i believe god said let there be a firmament and bang there was a firmament can you say man everything Isn't that right? That's the big bang. There's no theory. They got that right. They just didn't give credit to the one who made it bang. But it wasn't dynamite. And it wasn't dynamo. Amen. It meant miracle, working, ability. Dunamis. And you shall receive dunamis power what kind of power the same kind of power that created the universe and the same kind of power that raised up jesus from the dead for if the spirit of him that raised up jesus from the dead indwell you and that's none other than the Holy Spirit, can you say, man, if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He shall also quicken your mortal body. He will give that kind of resurrection life in this. Before we're raptured, before Jesus comes, it's in here now. That's why Jesus said, You're not gonna die. You, your old bone bag may drop down one day, but your spirit man is alive in him and it's alive. Amen. For forevermore. If you keep your trust in Christ, hallelujah. Listen very carefully. That kind of power is intimidating to the devil. He's not afraid of the tongue talking Christian without any faith. To release the power. Remember Timothy? Remember Timothy? Paul writes Timothy a letter, and Timothy is deeply discouraged. He's been anointed and appointed to ministry, but he don't want to preach anymore. He's not the first person to get in that condition. The prophet Jeremiah got in that condition. Someone said, Pastor, would be a great job if it wasn't for the people. Yeah. Amen. Brother Hobbes is laughing. He... Exempted himself from the rest of y'all. I get him after church. Can you say man? You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. You've been around churches where people couldn't get along with God or each other or preacher or anybody else. Satan's afraid of what you have. He fears what I have. Because he fears if we find out what we have, number one, we're going to walk in victory. And number two, we're such as we have, we can give to other people. Such as I have, give I thee. If you don't know what you got, you can't give it away. Amen. And the devil is deathly afraid that the church will become powerful again. We do everything, every program that man can conceive to try to get people out. To support our programs. And our programs happen to be stone and mortar and steeple and stained glass. The success symbol of a pastor is how many people come to your church, how, how your building program has advanced, and how much is your salary and benefits. That is the success symbol. And there's plenty of programs to try to achieve that end. And the pastor is extremely happy when his church begins to move out of a a micro-church to a mega-church status. Look, there's my success symbol. But if there's no power and presence of God, that's what my wife and I miss is that presence of God. So much can change in the presence of God. In the presence of God, there's what? Fullness of joy. At His right hand, there's pleasure forevermore. We used to walk into church, Brother Hobbs, and there was an almost electric type of... It's almost like static electricity was around. Walked in, and on one side of the room, the men were praying... You could hear them in there calling on the Lord. The other side of the, the, the platform, there was a room and all the ladies were in there calling upon the Lord. You walked into it already before the preacher ever pre- preaches, before he prays, before the choir sings. The prayers are being offered up to God. And you walk in and you just sense that holy presence of God. Hallelujah. The air was charged with it. And it stimulates that faith that has come by hearing the Word. It stimulates that faith when you sense the presence of God. So the devil wants us to have our grand churches. Because he knows that don't intimidate him and his minions. He doesn't care. And, And by the way, every church that's ever built is all built for the glory of God. And yet God says, really? Seriously? That's going to glorify me? Heaven is my throne, earth is my footstool. And he challenged her, where's the house? You think I'm going to want to live in that thing that you built when that little thing sitting on that little blue planet looks like a marble from the moon? You really think those stained glass is going to draw me? That cross is big enough to draw me? God wants to dwell within His creation. Not in His earth, but in His people. Your body. That's what He's looking for. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. That's the incentive to live a holy life. But it begins with accepting that He is indwelling you. Praise God. To whom will I look? To Him that is of a humble and contrite spirit that trembleth at my word. That's why Paul said, I was with you in weakness. Humility. Isn't that a humble thing to say of God's man of faith and power instead of printing a brochure about how many gifts he has? Amen. To say, I was with you in weakness. When I am weak, what did he say? What did he say? He said, my strength that is really delivered by God doesn't come through my much fasting. Come on. on. You can fast to show how dedicated you are and as soon as you tell somebody about your fast you have just blew it so go out and eat something after that because god doesn't care anymore thank you for the hearty amen that's the word of god if you fast to be seen of men to say oh look at brother venable look at them bags under his eyes he must be going on vacation how do you know he packed his bags can you say amen his bags are packed and by the way, I've gotten up and looked at the man in the mirror a couple of mornings. And I, I saw him. my eyes were a little dark under. I'd been working hard. I'd been running here and running there. And and I could have used a little something to, you know. I looked in the medicine cabinet for Pamela Hodge's makeup. <laughs> she don't want me using her expensive face cream. Amen. She keeps her oil of old lady to herself. Can you say amen? So... I keep, well, I didn't call her anything. Olive of Olay, I'm sorry. I get these things wrong. I don't know why y'all are getting me in all this trouble this morning. Amen. So I hide my old spouse from her. Amen. We didn't learn a lot about faith. We learned a lot about how unworthy we were. And we tried every Sunday to get worthy. And the main reason we want to talk in tongues is to prove to the person who already talking in tongues that we were as holy as they are. And there ain't nothing wrong with us and we're not hiding sin. We couldn't be hiding sin cuz we were in the altar every single service confessing sin. And if we didn't feel like we had sin, we went up anyway. Just in case. We never felt like anybody i mean dear lord i grew up back in the 60s when the when the real civil rights movement was getting underway and one of the things that people were saying they'd been put down so long that they they didn't feel like anybody because they were not treated like anybody and they begin to find out that they were somebody and they said i am somebody they didn't do it to be mean or flaunt or be proud. Be careful of false humility. Be careful of false humility. I'm going to tell you, I'm here anointed of God today. And that's not a prideful statement. That's, the, that's just the truth. If I'm not anointed of God, I ought not be here. But if I'm anointed of God, I'm right where I'm supposed to be doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm going to tell you up front, God's anointed me and appointed me to be a pastor to the body of Christ and an evangelist to the world. Not because that we have all those people coming to great crusades, but because we are on line. That means in the media. And we got a call from a pastor in Africa that evidently started listening to the radio station, the little home, humble radio station, and heard our broadcast live. I don't know what time it was playing in Africa when it's 1 here. I'd like to see that sometime. When it's 1 here, what time is it in Kenya? Because he heard it from Kenya. And he contacted the radio station. And they put him in touch with us. And then I communicated back with him. And so here we are in this little church but the coming of the lord is soon and god is sponsoring the gospel to the nations of the world and god knew if i got on the radio i wouldn't have nothing to sell and god knew if i got on the radio that i wouldn't have something that just put the church in the focus instead of the kingdom of god hallelujah And God knew I would make an invitation at the end of every single broadcast. And if you ever listen to the end of the broadcast, there's an anointing. At that point that comes to draw people to Jesus and you can feel his love just reaching out. Praise God. Amen. I listened to the end of the broadcast to see if the broadcast had taped correctly. And I heard the end of the broadcast and I almost got saved again. Amen. Hallelujah. Honestly, I felt like if I wasn't saved, I'd get saved right now. This call of God. It's the anointing. It's the Holy Spirit. Some of you, oh my God god in heaven don't get off in a tangent where you have no faith amen and don't know that you have any favor with god it's so important not to let the devil disqualify you from what god has provided for you and it's so important that you know who you are in jesus christ because you know who jesus christ is in you who is he in me i'm glad you asked amen it's christ in you the hope of glory why is that a hope of glory And the Holy Spirit has come to live in you. And what is He? The earnest of our inheritance. He's the down payment on heaven. God has invested Himself in you to assure you that heaven is your home if you keep your faith in Christ. Amen? Let me tell you something. If you're worthy of the Holy Spirit to live in you, God is not holier than His own Spirit. Christ is not holier than the Holy Spirit. If God can live in you, if Christ can live in you, if the Holy Spirit can indwell you, heaven is not holier than God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It's holy because of their residence there. So if the triune God can live in you, and he does. I'm not talking about the baptism now. I'm talking about salvation. If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. When does that experience happen? It's when you receive Christ as your Savior. You don't have the baptism, but you do have the Holy Spirit. To put it without a big theological explanation, when you... Receive Christ as your Savior. God the Father comes in. God the Son comes in. And God the Spirit comes in. Because if you have Now, this is not talking tongue-talking Pentecostal stuff. This is salvation. Fundamental. First steps. You have the Holy Spirit. I know Pentecostals resent that because we think... Somebody said there's some good saved Baptists that are going to go to heaven. There's some good saved Methodists that are going to make it because they've trusted Christ as their Savior. You can't disqualify them because they don't get a liver shiver on Sunday morning or talk in tongues. Tongues is not the prerequisite for going to heaven. That's not what saved you. That's The blood of Jesus is the element. When I see the blood, not when I hear you talk in tongues, can you say amen? Amen. I will pass over you. It's going to be shocking to see some people in heaven that you would not believe would have made it. In fact, if it's up to you, they wouldn't have made it. <laughs> Thank God it wasn't up to you. Thank God it's God's choice, it's God's decision, and He's a gracious God. By the way, one of the results of the giving of the Holy Spirit is the grace of God being in this earth and flowing to every creature. Amen. And it shall come to pass after the Holy Ghost is given that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Shall be saved. I did not come to condemn the world, but I came to seek And to save the lost. And when people were calling down judgment because of the rejection that they got on people, Jesus says, you don't know what spirit you're of. One thing for sure, that wasn't the Holy Spirit. Can you say, man, hallelujah. You don't get it yet. You don't understand it yet. Hallelujah. So we didn't hear a lot about that. We didn't hear a lot about that grace. And we didn't know who we were. Well, we did know who we were. We were... (laughs) We were trying to get God's favor. We were trying to be good enough to earn His favor. We were trying. And and God commends that. I'm still trying to be a good person. I used to work out at a gym. Don't look at me now. That was years ago. Used to be a gym rat. And I remember the lady who owned the gym. My wife and I went there together and... And she was up in years, and she was real slender. She stayed in shape. She was 60-something, and I thought she was an elderly lady. And now I'm 60-something, and she wasn't so old after all. <laughs> Amen? It changes, don't it, as you age? <laughs> oh, boy, that that old lady, boy, she, I don't know how she does it. Now I'm saying she wasn't so old. 66? Are you kidding me? Now that I'm 69, be 70 in January. And she told my wife, and I appreciated this. I really appreciated it. Because I didn't wear my... I, I don't wear a shirt and tie to the gym. I wear those sweatpants. And that time I was wearing a sweatshirt because I trying to sweat off some weight while I was in the gym, pumping iron. Remember those guys that blew up water bottles? What do they call the power team? They came to Plant City to the First Baptist Church to have a big thing for young people. All these guys with strength, they'd rip a telephone book in half. I'm talking about one of the thick ones. Rip that sucker in half. And they came to the power shop gym in Plant City. Oh, uh, just The machines were all just about broke, so you free weight gym. I mean, hardcore free weight ah, bodybuilding gym. <sighs> Amen. So we didn't have any problem with ladies hardly coming you know because it's just so oh, ugly men's gym and and stinky and all of that stuff and no pink equipment and uh so so that kind of killed a lot of things and <laughs> hey, man. but they came in and i i looked at myself they took a picture she took a picture for advertisement of me standing with the power team i thought don't do this i worked so hard Hey man, I worked so hard to get just a little cut here, a little something here, you know, a little, little pectoral, a little trapezoid here, you know. I worked so hard, and then she stood me beside all those bodybuilders that have muscles where I don't have places. Can you say, man, seriously? And I look—I mean, I thought I was doing pretty good till you stand me up beside them. And you know what? We were stood up beside these great champions for Jesus that had. Holy callings, heavy anointings, gifts of the Spirit flowing. And guess what? We didn't look so hot anymore. I thought, I don't fast like he does. And I don't pray like she does. And, and I'm not as sensitive to the Holy Spirit as they are. And I'm not, I'm not as bold to witness as someone else is. And so, therefore, God can't be pleased with me. Wrong. Compete. Compare. I was wrong. I was wrong. And it took me years to shake off what had been drilled into me. And realize that God loved me. Enough to go to the cross for me. While I was yet in my sins. God commendeth his love to us in while that we were yet sinners. Look at anybody that is moving toward legalism, that is finding fault in everyone and everything, and show me peace. You will not find it. I know people, and you know people like that. And if they come over to your house or my house, they don't come to my house, but if they come to your house, they're going to try to get you to go along with that. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's flat out dead wrong. Amen. Thank you for the one amen and the hard looks. It's wrong. It's self-righteousness. Two men go up to the temple to pray. One of them is a publican. Not a Republican. Let's don't get into politics. It wasn't Michael. It wasn't Michael. A publican meant one of these people that's, that's back in that day usually a tax collector. And Lord knows we don't like the tax man except for John. We love John. Because if I'm ever in trouble, I'm going to say, give me John. <laughs> he might not let me off, but at least he'll show me mercy and set up a system by which I can pay them back. I know it's getting hot and heavy in here. I'm about to take my coat off, but listen to me just a minute. Remember, the IRS, I don't know if John ever heard this, but this was, this. I've been around a while, and this used to go around and, as a true story from the IRS on the Internet. Somebody sent them a letter with $500 in it. And in the letter it read, I have cheated on my taxes, and I can't sleep at night. So here is $500 toward what I know I owe you. And if I still can't sleep, I'll send you the rest of it. Amen. I bought a debt I couldn't pay. And it was growing every day. But Jesus paid it all for me. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Did he really pay it all at the cross? You can live your life to give thanks for the free gift. But you can't earn or merit the free gift, for we are saved by grace through faith. it is the gift of God. It is not of works lest any man should do what we used to do, many of us boast. so to listen to the boasting of the self-righteous. A publican goes up. He not not a Republican. A publican goes up to pray. And he's hated by the populace. He's defrauded people. Here's how they got people to collect taxes. They got Jews to collect taxes from the Jews to give to Caesar. And the way they got them to do it was. They said we will give you a percentage of all the taxes that you collect. And that was an incentive to nail people. Remember, remember the little guy, little short fella, got up in a tree to hear Jesus teach? Zac- Zacchaeus. And, and what, did, what did Jesus do? He said, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm coming to your house today. That's what earned him the criticism of eating with, eating with what? Publicans and sinners. Now you're criticized for eating with Republicans but anyway ain't it the truth (laughs) and for good reason come down I'm going to your house today and after that encounter with Christ he was so transformed and he was so changed it said I'm going to give back to everybody that I defrauded took more tax than necessary from I'm going to give it back with interest fourfold if I overcharged you $1,000, I used that money. I invested that money. I, I'm going to give you $4,000. That's back when, when, when salvation was represented by a change in the life. Hallelujah. When repentance meant that I'm going in the other direction. I'm going to leave the avarice. I'm going to leave the greed. And on top of that, I'm going to do better. Not earning it, but expressing it. Hallelujah. Two men went up to pray. One, a Pharisee, and one, and that's the high ranking religious cult of the day, and one, a publican. And how did the Pharisee pray? Come on, you know how self righteous people pray. He looked over at that publican. How was he praying? He would not even lift his eyes to heaven. He's down on his knees, smiting his breast, under deep conviction, saying, Lord, forgive me a sinner. The Pharisee is standing, rigid in his pride and self-righteousness. And he looks over and sees that guy in deep repentance and contrition, and what does he say? I'm glad I'm not like other men, especially this publican. And they both went down from the temple. And Jesus said, one of them got forgiven. One of them was justified in the eyes of God, where it really matters. And one of them went down without forgiveness, because he stood there without repentance. Repentance. And one of the things that's holding back revival today is the self-righteous sitting in churches all over America. Self-righteous preachers. Self-righteous deacons. Self-righteous Sunday school teachers. Self-righteous officials. Standing in cloistered robes. Looking the part. Playing the role. Never convicted. Never repenting of sin. Saying by not ever repenting, I have no sin. It's not what you say verbally. It's what we do. It's unbelievable that altars are empty. They're ornamental in churches. No one... Needs to repent. Preacher's not going to repent. Because if he repents publicly, he's going to lose that image that he's projected. I'm six years in affiliation with all pro-pastors, which is an affiliation of pastors from all different denominations and walks of life. I had a pastor uncle. Pastored with a high-ranking, high-respected Pentecostal organization. And I'm going to tell you, he came to Christ, sitting in the back row, came back to the Lord and repented of his sin before he died, sitting in the back row of the Holy Church of God on a Wednesday night service. And when my uncle, who had, was my elder... Who was pastored churches of hundreds when he repented of his sin? What a day that was. What a glory it was to see a preacher repenting of his sin and getting back right with God. And it would, may not have occurred in his organizational circle of people. Because there's such a pride that gets in that. I'm glad I'm not like that. I'm glad I'm not like the the junkie. I'm glad I'm not like the, the pimp. I'm glad I'm not like this thief over here. I am glad I'm saved today. Except for the grace of God. That could be me. Except for the grace. You didn't choose Him. It wasn't you and your bigness and your goodness You didn't choose Him, He said. You did not choose me. Initially, you didn't choose God. You were headed on the highway to hell. I chose you. I chose to send my Son. He chose to take your place on the cross. I chose to send the Holy Spirit to convict you. And you chose to receive me. You out of your goodness, your righteousness, did not choose Him. No man comes to me except my Father. Come on, it's not intrinsic to your old fallen Adam nature. But He sent the Holy Spirit draw him you did not choose me but I chose you can you say man I chose you and they that were with him in the book of Revelation were called chosen and faithful and faithful and faithful we are partakers of Christ if we keep the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end What is the beginning of your confidence? How did it all begin? It began at the foot of the cross. It began when you recognized that you were a sinner in desperate need for a savior. And you knew, and the savior was revealed as Jesus dying in your behalf. Honey, I've got that confidence right here today that I began with. I don't have confidence that preaching all these years has earned me something. Amen. It is not, I will be rewarded for it, but it's not earned. Amen. My, my, my life In ministry is given to him as a gift. Just like his salvation is given to me as a gift. Hallelujah. I'm not earning anything. I am saying thanks for everything. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And if I had died the day after I received Jesus as my Savior. Heaven would be my home. (laughs) Just as much as it's going to be when I finish my course down here. Hallelujah. Why? Because of his wonderful Powerful grace. Hallelujah. Now if God lives in you, and Christ lives in you, and the Holy Spirit lives in you, and by the way, He said we will make our abode. I and my Father will come and make our abode. If you have that intention to obey, He that keeps my commandments doesn't mean keeping the law perfectly because no man could. In fact, the law reminds us that we need a Savior. And we need... Forgiveness. Loving God with all you say, I don't thief and I don't kill. Listen, listen, it, this gets close. Honey, when you have ought against your brother or hate against your brother without cause, God said, that's, that's like murder to me. You may soothe it over with some other kind of language, but I see it differently. Oh, by the way, something else, God says. He that sins in one point, one point is guilty of the whole law. Now that doesn't mean that you're going to have the same consequences if you committed adultery that you would, you committed a murder because of the, the laws of the land and, and the fact that you can't undo certain things. or listen carefully to this. The Ten Commandments are like a chain with 10 links. I know a lot about chains because my daddy had to pull a lot of my old cars back to the yard. I didn't have AAA, And I know one thing about a chain. No matter how many links are in it, they all don't have to break to separate you. Just one. Just one. And what God is saying is one, one part of the law broken breaks your fellowship relationship with God. Can you say, man? It's broken. How clear did he make it to ancient Israel? My ear's not heavy. Here's prayer that it can't hear. I hear you praying. My hand is not shortened that it can't save. But your sin has separated between you and your God. That's the bad news. The good news is if you return to me, I will return to you. Not only does repentance get us back right with God, it brings His restoration. The prodigal son doesn't get punished any further. Amen. He gets the best robe, and guess what? The son that never left is furious. Yeah. How, he deserves a whooping, number one. Can I say... I don't know if they'll let me. I know you'll let me, because i got stuff on you too anyway. Moving right along. You tell on me, I'm going to tell on you. It's not anything. It's just that we talk straight and plain to one another and understand that we're, you know what I'm saying. Human, yeah. Human. <laughs> what did he want to do? What, the guy that never left? He had no appreciation of grace because he felt he didn't need no grace. He had no appreciation for forgiveness because he felt he didn't need forgiveness. He had no appreciation for restoration because he didn't need restoration. He had it all. Never lost any of it. And he sees his dad making over this son who stood up to his daddy and said, I don't want to wait for you to die, old man. I want you to give me my inheritance now. He gave it to him. He went out and spent it on on riotous living. He partied hardy till his money was gone. When his money was gone, he found out his friends went with it. Oh, friend, you need that friend. Somebody said, preacher, well, I have to give up my flaky friends when I get saved. No, live for Christ. They'll give you up. Get a hold of the friend that sticks closer than a brother. The one that will never leave you and never forsake you, but go with you through whatever you face in life. Praise God. Hallelujah. There is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Hallelujah. But it wasn't those spare weather friends while he was buying them drinks and partying with them. When PTL went under, and the shame of it all was published all over America, all over the world, Jim Baker had no friends. All the people that was around him because of the money. (laughs) Richard Dortch told about his salary and why he didn't contest Mr. Baker. His salary for being essentially to Jim Baker. This is in his own book. What Ed McMahon was to Johnny Carson. The yes man. Laugh at his jokes and go along with whatever. Not as an armor bearer, a true armor bearer that would say, hey, this this is wrong. Assemblies of God close their eyes to it because of the tithe coming from PTL. Thank you for the hearty amen in here. You've got to close your eyes to it if you don't say anything about it. And you've got to know it's wrong when you have the publisher of Hustler magazine as your guest because of his notoriety and money. And you've got to know it's wrong when the defense for having those kind of ungodly people on your program because of their money... That God told me, you love them and I'll judge them. Well, that's not what his word says. It says to love people and pray for them. But it says you shall know a tree by the fruit it bears. And when someone in spiritual leadership can't figure out right from wrong, in the name of not judging, they don't need to be in spiritual leadership. We need someone in spiritual leadership that said, this is the way, walk ye in it. Can you say, man, and that cries out, where is those pathways, those ancient pathways? And it's not the self-righteous stuff, but it is righteous stuff. Hallelujah. Listen to me carefully. We were put down, tramped down, tamped down, until we never grew Into the men and women of God. We were always trying to attain what was ours from the beginning. Book of Ephesians says. He hath made you. Accepted in the beloved. It means to be highly honored. Highly favored. Paul goes on to teach. That we have been. Raised with him and we have been seated with Him in heavenly places. Isn't that an incredible statement? Seated with Him in heavenly places in Ephesians. You know what the word seated with means? Joint seating. It don't mean we sit on His throne or we are divine, but God has accepted us in Him, and He has positionally placed us in a place where we have been made unto Him kings and priest that incredible these old sorry sinners trying to be perfect and he says you're a king you have authority and you can reign in life You can take authority over the flesh. You can go against the world and its moral system and its mores. And you can live a dedicated life. You can live an overcoming life. You can live a victorious life. And that's called reigning in life through Jesus Christ. What do kings do? They reign! Hallelujah. Hallelujah! And He hath made us. You can't attain that. By the way, you're going to be presented perfect before the Lord. You can't present yourself that way. Christ loved the church and gave Himself for it that He might present it unto Himself. The wedding garment was provided by the person who gave the invitations. With the invitation. Because everybody didn't have the money to buy a wedding garment. So what did He do? He sends you the garment. In that sense if I'm invited to be part of the wedding party when i get my invitation i get my tux i'm gonna be dressed because it's not something i'll put together when i first started preaching i was so poor i was so poor i found a suit in some second hand store and i was 130 pounds Wow I had a twenty I had a twenty nine inch waist, and I found a suit that had a thirty six inch waist The pants were about thirty six inches long so my wife didn't sew we didn't we tried to get a sewing machine from Sears cost hundred and thirty dollars or something, and they wouldn't give us no credit because we didn't have no credit so We didn't have no sewing machine, and so I cut the pants off. And I remember pinning it to where you couldn't see the latch pin, safety pin, underneath the cuff up and then pinning it and and making sure I didn't cross my legs where you could see the latch pins. Can you say (laughs) man? And I cut in order to get it, and it still didn't work because the crotch hanged down to here. You can you can deal with this but you can't deal with that when you're short. The crotch of the pants was down here because they were for a tall person. So I cut the pants off the belt loops. I cut it with scissors the belt loops because the coat really fit me nice. And I cut the belt loops off. You know where the that part? I cut the whole thing off pulled them up and put a belt on underneath where the loops used to be and pulled it tight so they wouldn't fall down and put my coat on and headed for Polk City to preach at a church. My daddy going to play the fiddle and I was going to preach. And I said, Lord, help me not to take my coat off during my preaching cuz sometimes it gets hot and I get beside myself cuz they're going to see what a mess I made out of these pants and I'm telling you it was hot and the air conditioning wasn't on or whatever it was hot and it was humid and I was sweating through my clothes I I I was past perspiring amen I was I was sweating like I was sweating through my clothes, but I couldn't take my coat off. And I I bet they thought, boy, that guy's formal. He he got his coat on. He won't take it off. It's hot in here. And the Spirit of the Lord came down because God knew me, not not what I was putting forth. Amen. And I, I forgot about the latch pins, and I forgot about the... Felt all messed up under there where it looked so crazy. And I thought, Lord, I'm doing something for you. Preaching your word up here in Polk City. I went in that church. By the way, I was was supposed to be the last preacher brought in to that church. They were going to lock it and close it and lock it up. Everybody was disgusted and discouraged and divided. (laughs) The Spirit of God. My dad, I had a silver tone amplifier from Sears Roebuck. My dad plugged his fiddle into that, had a little electric thing on it, and he played something on the fiddle, and I preached with a microphone with a 15, probably 10 or 15 foot little cord on it, little cheap microphone, and I'd just get to go, and it'd pull me back, and I'd get, it'd pull me back, and I'd get, it'd pull me back, and you know, It was hard on me. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. But God's Spirit came down. The anointing of the Lord came down. Praise God. If, if I'd had on an Armani suit tailored to fit, it wouldn't have made no difference. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke. It wasn't my image. My, listen, it was my confidence in Him. And He honored my simple faith in Him. Amen. And He came down anyway. Praise God. There's not an uptown church with an uptown preacher that He will honor any more than anyone else because they're uptown. Praise God. It's, the, it's To whom will I look? He that is of a hum humble and a contrite spirit and believe me when you're wearing a suit like that it'll keep you humble can you say "Man, hallelujah praise god but it worked to my benefit and to god's glory and the spirit of the lord came down and the altar filled up and the preacher was the first one in it people saw the pastor and i guess they figured well Maybe it'll be okay if we go down and get right with God. So they came down. Hallelujah. Amen. And the pastor told me after the service, we ain't going to close this church. God's moving here. Hallelujah. He said, did you see that woman that sat over here? And that woman that sat over there? I said, to tell you the truth, I lost... Side of anybody when I started preaching. He said, well, they had been at odds. They had been ugly with one another, mean to one another, had words with one another. They wouldn't hardly speak to one another but he said amen at the end of the service they crossed over to one another amen they bowed down on the floor on their knees and while calling on god hugged one another and and got right with one another and got right with god and he took courage he said people getting right with god we can't shut this thing these doors now hallelujah how comest thou here without a wedding garment? Boy, we were told, man, you, you, better, you, better, you better watch every, every little move because you can get kicked out of this thing real quick. And you, listen, listen to me carefully. There's got to be that balance between grace and judgment. If you want to live under the law, you better never break it you better never slip in attitude or action. Never. 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 If you believe you're holy enough to receive the Holy Spirit without the Lord sanctifying you through the blood of Jesus Christ first, that's self-righteousness. Pure and simple. That is. So, I see people with gifts and they immediately put themselves on a level higher than anybody else in an audience because of a gift a gift if somebody gives me a million dollars I can't flop that you know why? I didn't earn one penny of it because it was given to me I can't tell you about the going from nothing to something because I, I invested in this and I built that and I was an entrepreneur I mean peneur. Can you say, I want to see if you're listening. Amen. Just wanted to see if you're listening. I know Kim's listening. Can you say amen? Entrepreneur. Yeah, I, it, you know, it's a, it's, I live in Plant City. There's a lot of pastures, and sometimes it just gets all tangled up. Are you still with me? All right. I know, I know it was hard to come back, but we're still glad to have you, Mike. I'm not an entrepreneur if somebody gives me a million dollars. I didn't build this. I can't take credit for it, but I can give somebody credit for it and say, I'm rich today because this man, this woman, in their mercy and grace and their benevolence and their generosity, lavished me with a gift. You got a gift of prophecy? whoop de doo I got a gift of salvation. It trumps a gift of prophecy. It trumps a word of knowledge. It. I'm sorry for using the Trump thing, but. It, Come on. I know it's controversial. I know it's all crazy out there. Amen. But listen to me carefully. It is better than. It's better than. the. Listen. Listen carefully. John the Baptist was called by Jesus. There's none. 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 There's nobody right now on this planet greater than John. Amen. Except... For the least in my kingdom. <laughs> Woo! I'm going to do it for you. The least in my kingdom. The least in my kingdom. The least in my kingdom. The least that's come to God by faith in Jesus Christ is greater than John. Yeah. Oh, come on. Give God a hand clap. That's you and me today. Hallelujah. 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 John was a prophet. We're kings and priests. I struggled. I strained. The first ten years of my Christian life was trying to get God to just like me, let alone love me. Can you say man? i could just get him to like me dale i used to preach to try to get him to like me if i can preach hard enough if i can get people enough people saved god will he'll love me he'll accept me he'll really say good job but i never quite made the grade i'd bring home a c and i was so happy because i never studied and for me to get a c and never study i thought that's an achievement to never study turned in no homework and got a c see i got i got a motorcycle at 14 because my stepdad was dating my mama and he wanted to impress her and i thought i'm going to hit him up my daddy's broke no need hitting him up but this guy drives a truck (laughs) he he's got the dough he's wanting to impress my mama. i'm gonna hit him up and i said howard howard Christmas is almost here. Sometimes I don't ride the bus. Mom has to take me to school, and I don't want her to have to do that. If I had a motorcycle. We went down to the motorcycle shop, and I found a 1955 BSA. BSA. 1955 it wasn't shiny it did not matter everybody else had them old centrifugal clutch cushmans Uh, you get on that old thing it don't even have gears you just twist it and go it wasn't the eagle by the way and they were riding up on them looking cool and i got me a motorcycle I had a motorcycle. I had a black leather jacket that wasn't leather. It had zippers all over it. I had taps on my shoes. Man, I pull up to school in my motorcycle. And I was the man of the hour. But I never made the grade. I never made the grade. Never made the grade. And I knew when I got in church that I would be striving my whole life. Just to get God to love me. Just to get God to accept me. And I didn't know that He did it the day that I came to Jesus. That I became His son the day I came to Christ. That every sin I had ever committed was nailed to the cross. When Jesus was nailed there when I accepted Him as my Savior. And that God had so thoroughly dealt with my sin... That he had cast it away from me as far as the east is from the west and declared I will remember it no more. And he made me accepted in the beloved and he seated me in heavenly places with him. And that Jesus prayed that the father would love me with the same love where we, he had loved him. And he said concerning your confidence in prayer, heretofore you've asked nothing in my name. You don't have the confidence and the faith that God will listen to you. Amen. He said, ask that you might receive, that your joy might be full. Can you? I'm going to tell you something. There is no liver shiver you'll ever get on Sunday morning that will take the place of seeing God come through in your life. Can you say, man, your joy will never be full because you have a run around the building, because you've got to walk home. Can you say, man, when you get home, hallelujah. Listen to to me carefully but when you pray and god says here am i when you pray and god says i am here to hear you and to answer you when you when you pray and something occurs when you pray over a blood condition and the man stands up and said my congregation and my pastor prayed for me and god touched me Amen. hallelujah Somebody prays for me and and a condition that I had. No more symptoms come because three men after the service pray for me. I don't know what it does for your joy, but it it fills me up. It fills me up. It fills me up. It fills me up. And God likes to show off His answered prayers to unbelieving people. I went to Tampa General Hospital as we closed this morning to pray for... My son's father-in-law. My son met me there with his mother-in-law. And the doctor had said, let's put him from the hospital into hospice. Let's put him from the hospital into hospice. And he told my mother-in-law, you cannot care for him at home. He's too near death. His heart is in such bad shape Only about 10% of it is working. He can't live like this. He goes from here to a hospice or a nursing home to die. Period. So that's what we walked into. And he was a hard-working guy. He provided for his family. He worked six, seven days a week. And I felt compassion for that. And, And the Lord prompted me. Said, pray that he will have some years that he can just sit back and take it easy. God wanted to bless him. Isn't that incredible? Amen. Now, you might not have blessed him because he wasn't part of your outfit. But God wanted to bless him. In fact, God wanted to save him. And so, and here he's, he's got this death penalty on him. But the Lord prompted me, go and pray for Him. What you're feeling in your heart right now, pray for Him. And if I had let the fact that He wasn't a Christian at the time, and that all these other issues are there, I wouldn't have prayed for Him. But God wanted me to pray for Him. You probably wouldn't have prayed for Him. But someday you're going to need prayer. And the only place we can bring you when you need it is to the throne of grace. There's no other place to go. You have to approach Him that way. You can't show Him nothing that will impress Him. you got to come by the blood of Christ or you can't come at all. Come boldly. Where? To the place you know you can be accepted. The only place and the only way He can. Come boldly before the throne of grace that you might obtain what? What you don't deserve. That you might obtain mercy and grace to help in the time of any need that means every answer to prayer begins at the throne of grace so i approached that throne for his sake and i remember laying hands on his head and feeling the love of god and the compassion of jesus by the way when you feel that that old judgmental spirit will get out of you real quick i said that old judgmental spirit will get out of you real quick Someday you're going to need that grace. Someday you're going to need that mercy. And who gets the mercy? I know the squeaky wheel gets the grease. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about you whining until he has mercy. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about whoever shows mercy. Whoever sows mercy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah shall receive you were merciful at a point in your life and it helped you to get past something that the devil wanted to trip you up with and hang you up with but instead god still got his hand on this young man in spite of it all hallelujah and i'm going to tell you something god's not done with me god's not done with him and i'm going to say something to him that he says to me all the time under the anointing hallelujah the best the best He saved the best wine for the last. And the best is yet to come. There's a lot more grace in this man. There's a lot more wisdom in this man. There's a lot more forgiveness in this man. It doesn't mean he won't stand up strong for Jesus. It means that he will speak the truth in love. Can you say, man, hallelujah, hallelujah. God takes what Satan means for evil and he weaves his good into it. Hallelujah. And I prayed, I said, Lord, this man has worked so hard for his family. I pray that you'll let him have some years in his, I prayed for years to a man that was given days or weeks to live. If God hadn't prompted me, do you think I would pray that? I would be praying, Lord, save his sorry soul. And get him into heaven some way if you possibly can. God wanted him to live a while. Oh, by the way, he lived for years. His wife passed away. (laughs) But he lived years past her. He lived for years. How many, Pamela? Seven years, eight years. Oh, by the way, I said so because he loved old westerns. He loved old westerns. Give him an old western and he's back in the saddle again black and white tv and he's happy give him give him a scrambled egg and an old western he sit there he sit he sit in an easy chair and watch westerns every day of his life i'm talking about the old ones you know and enjoyed every minute of it every minute lived for years plural seven six seven years before he finally passed in in one of those years he was in the hospital and I went up to the hospital room and he was lucid and he was clear in his mind. And I asked him, do you want to receive Christ as your Lord and your personal savior? And he said, yes. I said, "Will you pray the sinner's prayer with me? And he did listen to me church God is a God of grace and mercy and it's not his will that any perish but that all have eternal life hallelujah hallelujah so when I pray for the sick I don't just pray that you'll have faith and that I'll have faith I pray that we will understand how to approach God to receive anything by faith from him we don't have a high priest as we close that cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but he was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us come boldly before the throne of grace to obtain what? Not initially, it's not the answer to prayer. Amen. It's to get into position so he can answer the prayer for whatever the deed is. Amen. And it's got to come before the throne of grace that we might obtain m- mercy. And grace to help. If you want to know which comes first, the chicken or the egg thing, mercy precedes grace. Because if God didn't show you mercy, He couldn't be gracious to you. Hallelujah. It's on the website. Mercy. Say it with me. Mercy. I don't get what I do deserve. You? What do you deserve today? I don't deserve anything. There used to be a man standing on our platform. We'd start singing Amazing Grace. We'd get to the verse, and he'd be, you know, it's just, he'd be up there on the platform. And since we had a lot of musicians come and go, he was a musician. We'd get to the part that said, that saved a wretch like me, and I would hear him say, I ain't no wretch. I thought, man, without Jesus, you are poor, wretched, blind, and naked. That's what Jesus said to the church of Laodicea. Can you say, man, yes, you were a wretch. Such were some of you. But now you are sanctified. Now you are justified. Now you are because you are washed in the name of Jesus Christ by the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. Same guy that used to sit and do crossword puzzles during the preaching of the word who ended up with a broken marriage who ended up with a broken life who ended up in a wheelchair who ended up shipwrecked physically emotionally spiritually and i've seen enough shipwrecks and i don't want to see no more shipwrecks i want to see some victorious christians that the devil is not getting into their lives But he finally came back to Christ according to a pastor that he got in church finally. I'm glad he came to the Lord after all those years of singing for the Lord. I'm glad he came to the Lord after all those years of sitting in church. I'm glad he finally got saved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So if we get rid of the self-righteous and the Pharisee and the people with gifts that put themselves in a higher level... And we strip away the titles for... There's nothing wrong with being a bishop. There's nothing wrong with being the most reverend or the... I mean, I understand titles. There's nothing wrong with being a... And there's all kinds of titles in there. I mean, it just keeps going. I don't know what to call people anymore. Are you doctor so-and-so? If you're a doctor, I want you to look at my big toe. i got a ingrown toenail. Oh, you're not that kind of doctor. Well, then I don't have any need of you. I'm sorry. I don't think God's a bit impressed. I could get a doctor's degree in theology tomorrow. In fact, I had a man working on his doctorate call me and ask me how to word something in his thesis. And I thought he thinks... I have a doctor's degree in theology. And then I preached in a church that wouldn't want... They loved the ministry, but they wanted me to have a title because this church was too big and prestigious to just have an anointed man of God in it. So, one of the deacons that had asked me to come preach came to me six... Months later, to preach a pastor appreciation, and said, "Everybody is telling me, when are you going to get Dr. Venable to come back? <laughs> if they can assign me a doctorate, <laughs> then I could stand in that pulpit. It not incredible? And you know what some Christians have done? They have used tongues and gifts." In order to put themselves in places over other people, above other people. God may give you the gift of prophecy, you may be a prophetess. But you need to show that it's true and it's real and there's no pride in it by your humility. And being willing to serve people because the gifts are to edify the body, not to exalt yourself. So if you start trying to sell yourself to me by telling me about your gifts, I put you in a category. There's somebody with a pride problem. You can tell them I said so. Amen. Come on. You know why I said so? Because God says so. Amen. That's caused all the trouble in the first Pentecostal church. One stood to prophesy. Two more tried to out-prophesy the person who's prophesying. Amen some of these people would stand up and interrupt me right in the middle of an altar call to get themselves seen and heard and call it God and call it God and you know something they won't sit here very long because sooner or later they're going to get called down or sit down because there's a man of God in the pulpit and I know right from wrong and I know the spirits and I try the spirits and I don't take nobody's word for it can you say man? hallelujah listen to me carefully today if we can get rid of all this mess and get back in the position where we're supposed to be men and women of God kings and priests unto God hallelujah people with keys to the kingdom of God people that can pray and lock things up and pray and loose things get right with God and each other God will hear from heaven and we will see the magnificent power of God in operation. Would you bow your heads today? I want the self-righteous in this room. You don't have to come down here today but right where you sit. I don't believe there's a person in here that's above repentance. And I take the lead on that. I don't believe there's anyone here. If you don't feel the need to repent you are saying something before God you say you have no sin in attitude or activity your priorities are all kingdom oriented the kingdom is first there's nothing draining your time your energy You don't drag the church after you give the world. And we all have to work. I'm not talking about about the world. I'm talking about extracurricular. I'm not talking about putting food on the table. I'm talking about the other stuff that drains us. Drains us physically, mentally, financially. Everything but the kingdom of God. But we never see the need to repent and so we go on in the trap we go on in the vicious circle of being wore down wore out no enthusiasm for Christ no energy hallelujah that sensitivity to the Holy Spirit is broken we can't hear him he can't counsel us anymore. He can't reason with us. We're just too accelerated, too busy to stop and listen. We have the power to intercede, but we don't have the compassion to do it. hallelujah 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 sean you told me something is stuck with me people say we need revival but it it involves some activity it involves something more than stating a need hallelujah let the bridegroom it gets that important to god he does not apologize you said how would you would you interrupt somebody on their honeymoon He said, when you want a move of God, you can't put even your honeymoon above it. Let the bridegroom what leave his chamber? Why? Why? Because we're desperate for God to move in Israel. Hallelujah! You you can have a you can have a belated honeymoon, but you can't have an opportunity to seek God like you have right now. Can you say, "Man, well, I've got to bury the dead." Listen, excuses are a dime a dozen, but God throws them all out because the kingdom is more important. He said, "Let the dead bury the dead." You come and. Of me. Is that being hard-hearted? No. You no, know, we're the ones with the hard heart. We're the ones with all the excuses, the justification for the things that are wrong. I bought land and I haven't seen it. <laughs> oh, come on. Get real. You bought it sight unseen. No, you didn't. i got to go see what I bought. He that puts his hand to the plow and looks back. He that puts his hand to the plow and looks back. I don't mean you're not going to heaven. It says the kingdom of God, the souls that are on the line. If everything's more important than that, then you have no business in my field. People are going to heaven or people are going to hell. And without a revival, more people are going to hell than are going to heaven. Because the witness that we should be, we're not. Nobody cares that we go to church. They don't care about your bumper sticker. They don't care. So, the people with the power are not consecrated enough to use it for the furthering of the kingdom of God. The people with the power in the workplace are just another person in the crowd. There's nothing that touches somebody else. The people with the power, with the dunamis, with the position, Kings and priests. Living like spiritual paupers. Sean, the Holy Spirit is calling. If I got caught up in that same attitude, I would have given up this ministry. I would be cooking out on the weekend. I'd just be living my life for my old pleasure. But I can't live... That way with the power vested in me. Amen. By the Holy Spirit. Stir up the gift that is in you. By the laying on of hands. Hallelujah. Whether it be somebody or whether it be God Himself putting His hand on you. Stir up the gift that's in you. Why? 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 What is that word stir up? It's one Greek word. And it means fan into flame. A fire that threatens to go out because of neglect. Because of neglect. Because of neglect. Oh my God in heaven. Help the discouraged to become encouraged. And help the people that are too involved in this world to raise their eyes and see the fields. Help the kingdom to come back in view. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I used to weep when a young lady used to come up and sing wasted years. Wasted years. Wasted years. The years come and the years go. And opportunities and windows. of. A- By the way, there's a law of use. I've got to tell you this as we close. If God gives you something, then you don't use it. It sounds... Unfair, but God says, Listen, I'm going to get the job done. If you're not going to do it, I'm going to take what you have and I'm going to give it to somebody that'll use it. I'll take from him that has not and give to someone that has because they'll use it. They'll use it. They'll use it. They'll use it they'll use it they'll use it can you say man so if you are you are feeling like you don't have anything to offer anymore it's because you didn't use what you have but it's not too late because the message from the lord this morning is stir up Fan into flame. Hallelujah. You're waiting on God to send revival. It's time for you. It's your move. It's my move today. I feel the flame of it. Brother Hobbs, I feel the flame of it. I do not want denominational hierarchy. I don't want the choir to sing perfect. I want to see God move in the lives of His people. I want to hear the joyful sound once again. I want to see people put in the kingdom before anything else and watching God take care of everything else can you say man? hallelujah I want to see the joy of Jesus again in the lives of God's people I want to see the humble servants of Jesus with gifts of the spirit used for one reason and that's just to be a blessing to somebody hallelujah hallelujah I want to see revival before I go home Will you stand to your feet today? Glory to God. Glory to the Lord. Oh, Lord, you're such a wonderful God today. And we do praise you. We do praise you. We do praise you. I'm going to ask for something to happen right here, right now. How many people in this room, you want to utilize what God has given you? Everything that God's given you, everything God has made you, you don't want to disqualify yourself. You want to be a king and a priest. You want to be a son and a daughter. You want to be a man seated with Him. You want to be able to use the keys to the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. You'd like to win a soul to Jesus this year. That Somebody's going to come to Jesus hallelujah because of your prayers and your testimony hallelujah 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 how many want the enthusiasm back how many want the first love to begin to be rekindled and burn you know what happens when the first love is rekindled the kingdom becomes first because the king (laughs) is sitting in his rightful place on the throne of your heart Hallelujah. Let's give Him praise. I see hands all over this place. The joyful sound is going to be heard in this room. There are people here still fighting depression. It'll put you in a hole and try to put the lid on it. It'll put you in a hole and try to put the lid on it. And I'm going to tell you right now, he will lift you from the miry clay. He will put your feet on a rock so you don't just slide back in every time you turn around. Hallelujah. And he'll put a song. That's the joyful sound. Amen. The sound of melody. The sound of joy. He'll put a song in your heart and other people will hear of it. Other people listen. Other people are going to be affected by your victory and mine. Other people will hear of it and they will be glad. Why? Because they know there's a God in Israel. Hallelujah! There's a prayer answering God that says, "Call upon me and I'll deliver you." Can you say, "Man, Hallelujah"? Let's give Him praise as we consecrate before Him this morning.